what we have here is we have Pharaoh's first attempt to try to get Moses to compromise on what God had told him to do. God had told him to get out of the land, take all the people, take all the livestock, and go and to sacrifice and to worship him in the wilderness because God seeks men and women and boys and girls to worship him, but he does not leave us to our own devices to figure out how to do that. He gives us specific instructions on how to worship him. And, and Pharaoh said, okay, you can worship God, but worship him here in the land and tried to get him to compromise. And what I want to preach on today is about the peril of compromise. <clears throat> the peril of compromise. Satan will try to get you to stop serving God all the way if he can. If he can do it, if he thinks he can get you to stop, he will. He'll shoot right for the heart. But if he cannot stop you, then he'll try to get you to compromise. Even if you give 90% of your life to the Lord, he'll try to get you to compromise 10% for him. And we should never feel good about doing less than what God actually told us to do. We should never feel good about only doing part of what God wants us to do. We should obey God perfectly. So today, I want to preach a message about the peril of compromise. Let's go to the Lord once again in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, as we come to the point in this service where we read the Word of God and explain the Word of God and preach it and apply it, God, I pray that you'd give us understanding. Pray, Lord, that you'd be with my mouth, be with my lips. I pray that the Holy Spirit would do his, his office work of uh, working amongst us. I pray that you'd come down and bless us, bless this meeting. I pray for, pray for uh, Lord, conviction where conviction needs to be. I pray for correction. <clears throat> I pray for comfort where we need it, Lord. I pray that you'd cheer our hearts. I pray, Lord, that you'd strengthen us. Lord, the Spirit is willing but the flesh is weak today. Lord, I pray that you'd have your sweet will and way with this service. In Jesus' name, amen. So notice here, Pharaoh called for Moses and for Aaron, and he said, Go ye, sacrifice to your God in the land. You see, he's saying, Don't go out of the borders of Egypt. Sacrifice to your God in the land. But Moses said, that's not enough. That's not good enough because we can't sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians. What's that? Well, it was an, it was an abomination uh, for the Egyptians to be around a shepherd for some reason. Shepherds and uh, those that kept sheep and cattle, they were unclean to the Egyptians. And that's why they were given the land of Goshen a ways away from uh, where Pharaoh was and his people. So he says it's an abomination. If we do that, then the people are going to persecute us, and that won't go well for us. So Moses said we need to go out of the land, and we'll go and sacrifice there. This was his first temptation to compromise. And you know, what, what uh, Pharaoh wanted him to do was uh, what's called good old-fashioned partial obedience. Partial obedience. That's what Pharaoh wanted. He, he said, it's okay if you obey the Lord a little bit. And I'm going to let you do what uh, the Lord wants you to do, but uh, I want it to be under my terms. And in the book of Exodus, if you're a, a student of the Bible, and we're preaching from this because we're reading through the Bible together as a church, 
reading through the Bible together in a year, from cover to cover, and so I'm trying to preach from passages as we read through it. And uh, if you're familiar with your Bible, you start to learn that in the book of Exodus, that Egypt is a type of the world, a type of the world. And Pharaoh is a type of the Antichrist or the type of Satan in there. Because you got Pharaoh, he's got Israel, God's people, in Egypt, and he doesn't want to let God's people go. And he's oppressing God's people in Egypt. They're serving under rigorous uh, conditions. And so God's people are oppressed in Egypt, and they're oppressed by Pharaoh, and Pharaoh doesn't want to let them go. But God sends Moses, and he sends Aaron to go in and to say, let my people go. But he doesn't want to let them go. You know, that's exactly what it's like with the devil. When I, the night that I got saved and trusted Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior, the devil did not want to let me go. He, he was trying to keep a hold of me. He was putting thoughts into my mind, intruding thoughts into my mind. If you believe that, if you act upon what your brother's telling you to do, he's putting these thoughts in my head, then the fun is over. No more fun for you. Wouldn't it be more fun just to be able to do whatever you want to do? You don't want to live under a bunch of rules. You don't want to live like a Christian. You're far too young to do that. That's what was happening. What was happening, he didn't want to let one of his children go because before I got saved, I belonged to the devil. And so does every lost person in this world. I don't care how good and sweet and nice and religious they might be on the exterior. <clears throat> if you're not in Christ, you belong to the devil. Jesus said, you are of your father, the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. And a lot of people, when they first hear the gospel, they don't want to leave Egypt. But that's what it is. It's a call to leave the world and to leave the world's system and to leave the world's way. And Jesus is saying, come with me. Come follow me. And uh, he's wanting to call you out of the world. And the devil don't want to let you go. It's like the Lord is kidnapping children from the devil's house. The devil has a dark, scary house at the end of the road in the cul-de-sac. And it looks like it might be haunted. Looks like it might be demon-possessed. And uh, that's where the devil's children lives. And the Lord comes in and kidnaps the devil's children with the gospel. And, takes them, and he's not happy about it. And he won't let you go without a fight. That's the whole picture of Pharaoh. He doesn't let him go without a fight. And the same thing is true of Satan. And folks, you better take that serious this morning. You and I better take that very serious. And, and he says, okay, well, if you're going to serve the Lord... Fine, if I can't stop you, then I'm going to try to get you to compromise. And you know, everything that Moses and Aaron were told to do in the beginning of the story, if you're reading through Exodus, you'll get here soon, depending on what reading plan you're on. They did it exactly. It was, it was complete obedience. The Lord told them, go in there, say this. They did it. Go in there, do this, take your rod and touch the rivers of uh, the Nile, uh, the waters of the Nile River, and it turned it to blood. They did it. Go up there, hold up your hand, say this, say that thing. They did it. They did pretty good in the beginning. But you know, even Moses and Aaron, later on, if you follow the story, the both of them mess up eventually. And you know, that's the case with all of us. That's the case with all of us. Is, is, uh, we try to obey the Lord. And we, try to, and we find out that it's hard. It's not easy. Anybody told you the Christian life is easy? It's not. 
That was a bunch of, uh, it was a bill of goods they were trying to sell people back in the 90s that if you just come to Christ and get saved, your life will get better and everything will, everything will be uh, just peachy. And that's not the truth. No, my life got harder after I got saved. It's hard to live for the Lord. Now, it wasn't as hard as what uh, sin can be. Sin's a hard taskmaster. You know, the wages of sin is death. Uh, the, the way of transgressors is hard, man. And uh, it's destructive. The devil comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. But serving the Lord, it ain't easy. But praise God, it's not as hard as what it was when I was serving sin. But when I first was presented with the choice, hey, it's much easier just to float down the river of life and just to go with the flow and do whatever I want. Do my own thing. But then I'm presented with this other choice. You got to repent and turn to Christ for salvation and become a follower of Him. And when you do that, devil's not going to be happy about it. When you do that, the world's going to hate you. You can't be a friend of the world and a friend of Jesus at the same time. When you do that, your friends are going to, some of them, most of them are going to turn away from you. When you do that, your girlfriend's going to dump you. When you do that, your family is going to think you're crazy when you come around and start telling them about Jesus. They're going to, and when you do that, people are going to call you a Jesus freak. When you do that, you're going to find out that you struggle with sin and you struggle with temptations and you got these heavy, heavy uh, uh, workings of Satan on you to try to oppress you. And to try to keep you from doing God's will. And it's a struggle. It's a fight is what the Bible calls it. And folks, we're tempted to compromise. What I'm trying to say is that the devil's tactic in your life is to just get you to just give him a little bit of your land. I heard about, uh, I heard about a deal where uh, a person could... A person could sell a thousand acre farm and if somebody offered to buy it, they could agree to sell the land and if they wanted to, they could keep a partial of that land in the very center and the law in some states says that if a person has a partial of land on that, on that property, that they have the right to make a road all the way into that partial of land and that's the law in some states. And you know what the devil wants us to do? He might say, okay, you're giving your life lock, stock, and barrel 100% to Jesus Christ, right? I just want you to compromise over here just a little. Just some area in your life, I want you, I want you to disobey what Jesus told you to do. And then if you do that, the devil can make an inroad into your life. And he can travel that road. And guess what? You gave him the permission you set it up that way. You gave him the right of way. You yielded to the devil. The Lord didn't set it up that way. Wasn't his plan. You said, I'll give you, Lord, I'll give you my whole life. But you got this backdoor deal going on between you and the world and the flesh and the devil that there's this little part of my life that I'm going to compromise on. And that's what the devil is going to try to do. And if you do that, what you're doing is you're giving him an inroad. You're kind of letting him get his foot in the door. And he won't be happy with just a little. He'll keep coming in and trying to take more and more and trying to get you to compromise more and more as we're going to see. Let's think about this for just a second. Do you think you can be the friend of Jesus 
and the friend of the world at the same time? Do you think that you can be Jesus' friend and not obey his commandments? Do you think that you can love the Lord and not keep his sayings? He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. He said, you're my friends if you do whatsoever I tell you to do. You can't be a friend of Jesus and a friend of this world at the same time. You can't be a friend of Jesus and be disobedient to any of his known will for your life. Brother or sister, do you think you can be a friend of the world and a friend of Jesus at the same time? You can't. You can't. The devil will get an inroad into your life, not only into your life, into your marriage, into your family. And he is destructive. He does not come just to enjoy you being a little disobedient to the Lord. He comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. He just needs a little opening. You just need to give him place. Just a little. Give him a little bit of what belongs to the Lord. And watch what he does with it. And I want to warn you, don't do that. Don't do that. Let's think about who we should obey. We should obey God. Moses and Aaron had specific instructions. And they were bound and determined to obey God. They were going against the greatest world power of their day. And the most powerful man in the world. But we should obey God rather than men, like Peter said. Who knows your future? Who knows your future? Do you? Does God? Does God know your future? Somebody talk to me. Yes, yes. Since God knows your future, is it wiser to obey Him or to refuse to obey Him? It's wiser to obey, right? Who knows all about you? Do you? Do you know? No, the Bible says the heart's deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. You, <laughs> you can't possibly know yourself the way that God knows you. You know how I know that? Just because, just when you think you know yourself, people, kids spend the teenage years, like in the 90s when I was growing up, just trying to find themselves. I just want to know who I am and I want to find myself. Silly. You know what happens? You hit your 20s and you change. You hit your 30s and your 40s, you're a different person. You get married to somebody in their 20s, you find out later on when the kids have left the nest and you're 60 years old and you're sitting there looking across each other at the breakfast table, you're looking at a person that's different than the person you married. People change. You don't know yourself your whole life through. You're, you're trying to, you're, you're learning each other. Who knows you? God knows you. And he knows all about you. Is it wiser to obey somebody who knows you better than you know yourself? Is it wise? Yeah, I think it is. Because he made us. He keeps us alive. Can you keep yourself alive? No. No, you can't. Only God can keep you alive. Since your Creator also keeps you alive, isn't it wiser to obey Him? Even with something you don't understand. You see, what happens is that we come to a point in our life where we're presented with something, and we start to reason with ourselves, and the devil puts intruding thoughts into our minds, says, yeah, but. Puts a but where God put a period. And says, yeah, but if you do that, you won't be able to do this here. Yeah, but if you do that, uh, these people here, you're, you're going to have to think about what that's going to do and the consequences with those relationships. If you do that, then what's going to happen to this money over here? If you do that, 
well, then, then look, look here. You're going to have to start uh, making standards here and doing things like this. And you're going to have to get this out of your life. If you do that, you're going to have to start going to church. If you obey the Lord, take that seriously. You're going to have to obey the commandment to go to church. Folks, let me, let me give you an area of compromise just because it's, it's, it's before us and you're thinking about it. Um, what does the Lord care the most about right now in this world? He, he loves his people, right? He loves his people and he wants other people to get saved, right? The gospel, the, the Great Commission is the heart of God in this world right now. That is his number one. If you put down on a list all your priorities, I think when I first got here, I talked about that and haven't really talked about it a whole lot since. But if you put the list of all your priorities in your life and you put number one, what's most important, that'd be I'm a child of God. So my responsibility to my Lord, that's my first priority. But you put all your priorities on there. You know what God's first priority is right now in this church age? The Great Commission. You say, what's that? Worldwide missions. Getting the gospel all around the world. And boy, we got all kinds of ways we can do it these days. You know, you, you can't replace just a, a man on the ground starting a local church. That's God's way of doing it. But I mean, they got church apps and things like that and, and radio apps that, that can go on here and to, can go into countries uh, like India where they're terribly persecuted. And people, if they've got a smartphone, they can get on there and listen to that radio station. And that, there was a day when I think Charles Stanley was putting out them little uh, radios, you know, and giving them to like the people in, in Cambodia and Vietnam, stuff like that. And that it was solar powered and they could listen to the radio and get the gospel. These days you don't really need to do that. You've got smartphones. But what I'm saying is God's, God's heart is to send the gospel around the world. What is our part? Didn't mean to make that rhyme, but it worked real nice. What is our part? Our part, we can't all go, but we can send those that are called to go and willing to go. There's a lot of people that are called and they're not willing. They won't obey God. There's a lot of people like that. But they're called and they're obedient and they will go. What is our part as a local church? Well, as independent Baptists, we support missions, worldwide missions, by letting missionaries come and visit our churches. And they come and they ask for support. They ask you to pray. Would God have you to partner with them? You know, they visit about 4,000 churches. This is the average that I got from a missions conference that we went to, Beth and I went to, and it was Brother Robbie Morrison that said this. They'll visit about 4,000 churches in America. Some of them, it takes, it takes them only two years. Others, it'll take up to three or four years. Think of that. Just trying to get to the field, trying to get some stingy people in local churches to come up off their money. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about, folks. Cheap penny pinchers. What you have in America, richest people in the world, man, but we are cheap. And we just money grubbers. Man, I, that money is what it takes to make the gospel go. You know, we need to support some more people in missions, but as the Lord leads, as the Lord leads. But they, they'll go to about 4,000 churches, man, that's a lot of miles on the road. But they'll do it because they're called to do it. And then they need about 60 to 80 churches to support them monthly, usually at about $75 to $100 a month. And if they have that, they can go and they can live even in Europe. They can live on the field. That's what it takes to make the gospel go. Tonight, you have a missionary coming here. He's not coming here to ask for support. That's not why I called him to come here tonight. But he is a missionary. He's training right now. 
He's got three years ahead of him of training in the Marietta Bible College. He's not coming here asking for support. He's coming here because I see him in my classes and I see him that he's different than the others. He's very serious. And that's what a preacher ought to be, is serious. He's very studious. I'm, boy, I'm on a roll today. I didn't even mean to alliterate that. I'm going to try to think of a, another S. He's studious, man. He's getting good grades, almost acing the classes, almost. And he's very something else that starts with an S. But seriously, I see that young man, and I just see God has his hand on him. He's sanctified. God has his hand on him. He's serious about what he's doing. So I said, brother, come preach at my church. Come preach at my church. His name is Lemuel. Does anybody know where his name is in the Bible? Anybody know? Proverbs 31. I put that question up on Facebook. I don't know if anybody answered it or not. Proverbs 31, Lemuel. And uh, he's named after a king in there. And I said, come here and preach. You, You know why? Because young preachers need to preach as much as possible. Because you've got to preach a lot before you get any good at it. And, and they don't get as much time to preach as they need. So they need to be in nursing homes. They need to be invited to churches. You know what your part is in that tonight? And you know how I'm going to know if you care about what God cares about? Is if you come out tonight to support it. And I don't mind saying it. That's what God cares about, folks. Come out and encourage that young man. Let him preach a message. I don't know how it's going to go. But I'm going to tell him you've got about 20 minutes. <laughs> so I'm going to tell him you've got about 25 minutes. I don't know how it's going to go, but let's come out and support him and encourage him. He's willing to do it. And, and we, that's our way of helping worldwide missions. We're helping him come out and get a chance to preach. Plus, somebody said it'd be nice if we heard somebody else preach every once in a while. But when we do, when we hear him, what I'm hoping is going to happen is his burden is going to come across. His love for souls, his burden for his mission field, and that that'll come across to us. Because God has commanded us to go. And God, if we can't go, we've got to send. And there's a temptation in churches to compromise. What would happen if we shut down Sunday night? What would happen to our missions program? We can't bring them in on Sunday morning, have them talk for five minutes and decide whether we want to support this missionary. You've got to to have them come in, let them have the evening service, give the evening service to missions once a month. Give them some time to present their ministry. Give them some time to to talk, to answer questions, to have some time to get to know them, and then the pastor can start a relationship with them, the church can pray and say, I think God's got his hand on that, that man. But you've got to give them a long enough time to, for face to answer face, you know, and to, to give them enough time to say to, for the Lord to be able to show us what his will is. What would happen if we let go of Sunday night services? It seriously hurt our missions program. So we can't do that. And I can't have a missionary preaching on Sunday morning. I can't do that. People, I've had people come in to visit my church. It was one of Colton's friends. Came in. He likes to listen to my preaching. And the one Sunday that Colton brought him, I had a missionary speaking. I learned I'm not doing that again. And he told me, he said, I, he said, I love you. I love your preaching so much. He said, I was a little bit disappointed that when I came, you know, I didn't actually get to hear you. So you see, for the sake of visitors, can't do it on Sunday morning. It's got to be Sunday night or Wednesday night. But will you come out and support that? It's God's will. If that door is open, it's God's will. But we're tempted to compromise. I'll just give the Lord an hour of my time on Sunday morning. Another area where we're tempted to compromise, look at uh, chapter 10, verse 8. Chapter 10 and verse 8. 
It says here, And Moses and Aaron were brought again unto Pharaoh. He said unto them, Go, serve the Lord your God. But who are they that shall go? So Pharaoh now, he's, he's, uh, he's, the Lord's been working on him. He sent the lice. He sent the frogs. He sent the blood from water, the flies, the cattle. He sent the hail. And uh, now Pharaoh's feeling pretty raw, and he's thinking, okay, maybe I'll make a deal this time, and maybe I'll sweeten up the deal, and Moses will take it. But uh, he's starting to get his attention. But there in verse number 8, he says, uh, who's going to go with you? Who's going to go with you? Moses said, we will go with our young and with our old, with our sons and with our daughters, with our flocks and with our herds will we go, for we must hold a feast unto the Lord. But in verse 8, Pharaoh said, you go serve the Lord, you men, but who are they that shall go? And he wants them to leave the children behind. See what he says in verse 10? He said unto them, let the Lord be so with you as I will let you go and your little ones. You know what he's saying? He's saying, think about your little ones. Look to it. Think about it. Evil is before you. You don't want to take your your little ones out there into the wilderness. Not so. Go now ye that are men. You see, he's trying to get them to compromise. Leave the family behind. Just go to church, but leave your family behind. Follow the Lord's will, but leave your family behind. You men, you serve the Lord, for that ye did desire, and they were driven out from Pharaoh's presence. So he's trying to get them to compromise now the second time. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of adults that are compromising their children. A lot of adults who are following the Lord, but not making their children follow the Lord. You know, the Lord said about Abraham, He said, I, I, I got Abraham here, and I know he'll make his children follow me. That's one of the things he said about him. I know he'll make his children follow me. And uh, as, as men in the household, we need to be leaders, spiritual leaders, and bringing the whole family <laughs> along with us, not just the church, but in serving the Lord and doing the will of the Lord. And I've seen a lot of times, I've seen families just send an ambassador to church. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Like they'll send one representative from the family. Everybody else will stay home. No, bring your family to church. Bring your family to church. You know what? You know what? We got some kids back there, which uh, Jason, Jason's really been impressing me lately. He's been doing really well. Keep praying for him. He's trying to do the right thing. But Jason, uh, the other night, he said, he said, I was up at the, uh, they went to a Mennonite's house. We got a break from him for a week, much needed, right around New Year's. And he said, their church, they have a watch night service on New Year's. And he said, why don't we do that? You see, they don't loathe going to church. Now, I know they're not teenagers yet, but they don't loathe going to church. The other night coming home from church, Lily about broke my heart, man. I'm up there driving and stuff and trying to choke back the tears. And Lily is in the back seat singing that song we sang on Wednesday night. I had my guitar out and Beth and I were singing, Completing Thee. And Lily's going back home in the car singing, Complete in thee, no work of mine may take thee, Lord, the place of thine. She's got it memorized. And she needs a little bit of help with the words. But, you know, and she said, she said maybe we can sing that when we get home. And, you know, in, in the home, Beth had her friend Cassandra over. And there's a, there's a woman who, who didn't obey the Lord right at, at first. She didn't start right, you know, as I've said before. She wasn't serving the Lord with everything. 
She was holding back on the Lord and it cost her. And there's consequences as a result of the choices that she made that she's still living with today. But now she's, she wants to serve the Lord and she's a, a godly young woman. And uh, she's looking for a husband and she's about 30, 35. So if you know of a man who's a godly man, he needs to be a stronger Christian person than she is to be a, a leader. But uh, she's 35 and, and a nice young woman with two kids. But she, she's in the home and I'm watching her and watching Beth too, with the kids, and watching the way that they talk to the kids. And, uh, you know, children will make, or kid, women will make children mind. I mean, they'll be on you, on you, like white on rice on a paper plate in a snowstorm. They're on you. And, and that's a good thing. And just making, making children mind. And then Cassandra's throwing in a little bit of teaching along with what she's saying. And she said something to, to Jace, and she threw in a Bible verse and applied it in a real creative way. And I can't remember exactly what it was, but I just thought to myself, that's it. That's it right there. That's what men are supposed to be doing and women, husband and wife leading in their home. They're supposed to be bringing the Lord into the picture, even little things and, and finding little teachable moments throughout the day that things happen. And she quoted a Bible verse and applied it and showed, showed uh, Jace how that applied to what he was doing. That's it. Bring the Lord along with you in serving Him and teaching your children. Just like it says in Deuteronomy chapter 6, you men, if you want a devotional passage to look at, if you have a family or are planning to have a family, read Deuteronomy chapter 6. And just bringing the Lord into the situation, into the scenario. And look, what you think is important, you'll give your time to it. What is important to you, you will give your money to it. And kids are watching that. Grandkids are watching that. And so if they see it's important to you, it'll be important to them. Sure it will. But the devil just says, don't worry about your children. I heard some people say some dumb things in my lifetime. But I think one of the dumbest things I ever heard was from somebody in my own family, so I'm not talking about your family, is I heard them say, I'll just let them make up their own minds. I'll just let them make their own decisions. I'm not trying to push any religion on them. Well, good, don't push a religion on them. Religion damns people. Push, get the truth, man. Compel them with the truth while their minds are still, you can mold them. While you're the most influential figure in their lives, for goodness sake, use that opportunity to compel them to come to Christ. Don't worry about what they're going to do later on. God can, they don't belong to you. They belong to the Lord. But he said, train your children up in the way that they should go. Right? That's your responsibility. Train the children. The devil says, nah, just leave them behind. The devil says, compromise in what you allow in the home. Compromise in your commitment to the Lord. You know, uh, the blessing of God is promised to the peacemaker, but the religious negotiator had better watch his step. A.W. Tozer said that. He said, darkness and light can never be brought together to talk because some things are not negotiable and it's not negotiable to leave the children behind. A lot of children don't understand why they must obey their parents. They have a hard time with that. That's understandable. I did too. And so did you. Have a hard time understanding. Why do I have to obey my parents? They'll say something like this. Why do we need rules? Why can't I just do what I want to do? It would be more fun. And if they say that, say this. 
If that happened, what kind of a world would we live in? If everybody just did whatever they wanted and didn't follow rules, would it be more fun? Would it really? There'd be no traffic lights. There'd be no stop signs. There'd be no traffic rules. There'd be no trucks out on the road to clear off the ice. There'd be nobody warning to stay off the roads if the roads are dangerous. People could drive whenever, wherever they wanted to. They could drive on the side of the road. They could drive on the sidewalk. They could drive on your front lawn. If there were no rules, would you want to take your little brother or your little sister out for a walk in the neighborhood if there were no rules? Well, no, we wouldn't want to do that. It's better that we live with rules. And parents don't just tell children what to do just for the sake of it, right? Not just bossing them around just for the, for the fun of it. Parents do that because they know what's best for children, right? Well, mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, turn it around on yourself. God doesn't just give you rules just for the sake of it. He doesn't just put rules on you, child of God. He does it because he knows what's best for you. So if there's some rule in your life, and I, Lord knows I, I have no idea what it might be. Thank God for the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He's able to put his finger on that thing right now. Some rule, some some principle, some teaching of Jesus Christ in your life that you know you've been compromising. And God says, don't do that. Why is he doing that? Why do parents tell kids what to do? It's because they love them. Why does God tell us what to do? It's because he loves us. The Ten Commandments are basically saying, do thyself no harm. Don't hurt your neighbor either. <laughs> you know, It's because he loves us. And we obey. And when we do, we'll get what is best for us. Right? If that's what he wants for us, we will get what is best for us. So he says compromise and just leave the children behind. And the third and the final compromise, three times. The third one is in verse 24. And Pharaoh called unto Moses and said, Go ye, serve the Lord. Only let your flocks and your herds be stayed. Let your little ones also go with you. So he says, okay, take your little ones, but leave your flocks and your herds behind. Verse 25, And Moses said, Thou must give us also sacrifices and burnt offerings, that we may sacrifice unto the Lord our God. Our cattle also shall go with us. There shall not an hoof be left behind. You see, Moses is trying to be perfectly obedient to the Lord. For thereof must we take to serve the Lord our God. And we know not what, uh, with what we must serve the Lord until we come thither. That makes good sense. So he's just trying to get him to compromise this third time. And he's trying to get him to just leave behind the animals. You know, as I said, folks, the devil doesn't want to let us go without a fight. If he can't get us to stop altogether, if he can't discourage you by your failures and get you to stop altogether and get you to do something that really compromises your testimony and just messes you up and ruins your life, if he can't do that, then he'll get you to compromise in some way. Just any way at all, anything would be good enough. Just a little bit of compromise, but then he'll take that and he'll work from there. And before you know it, Satan will build a stronghold in your life and you've given him the territory to do it. You've given him permission. It's not the Lord's will. We studied in Sunday school, John 17. We've got the Lord's high priestly prayer and he's in heaven making intercession for us now that we are sanctified through His Word and and that He has a plan for our life and He has a will for us and that we will accomplish it according to His prayers. So if you compromise on God's will or if you're disobedient in some area, it's because you 
gave in. It's because I gave in. It's because we've given the, the devil a place in our life, a foothold in our life. Let me give you just one example. I don't want to give too many examples because if I do, then you're going to think, ah, he didn't hit me, so I'm in the clear. Now, if the Holy Spirit hits you, you've been hit. But here's one example. Be ye angry and sin not. Well, there's a clear command there that we're allowed to be angry, but not sinful anger. thing is, is we're prone to sin, aren't we? And so we're prone to sinful anger and to just let it rip and just to, you know, not hold back. So he says, be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Don't simmer on it overnight. Get it right before you go to bed. Don't, don't be guilty of sinful anger. That's a sin. That's a compromise. The devil says, just compromise a little bit. Just let it loose. Go on. Just indulge in your anger. Let it loose. That's the devil trying to get an inroad into your life through your emotions, through your anger. And he says, neither give place to the devil, is what he says right after that. He said, you can give place to the devil. Give him just a little. You open up the door, he'll put his foot in there. You can't close the door now. And it's just like when they, uh, you know, back in 1913, a senator was speaking in opposition to the federal income tax bill. He says, if we allow 1%, we are allowing a foot in the door. At some future date, it might rise to 5%. I wish it was that low today, huh? What is it today? Over 30%? Where is it? You know, that's where it starts. It just starts with a little bit. And then it grows more and more, and the government takes more and more. You know, the Bible teaches us that we should obey Jesus. And if we love him, we will obey him. John 14, 15 says, if you love me, keep my commandments. We obey Jesus to show him that we're his friends. John 15, 14 says, "Ye are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. And you should obey him above anyone else in your life. Acts chapter 5, verse 29, Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. Jesus teaches us to obey those who care for us. Right? Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. And it really costs some people to serve the Lord. What's your excuse today for not serving the Lord? It really costs some people in this world. And what excuse do you have? It, it's not going to cost you much. You might be ridiculed. You might be labeled. And your family is holier than thou or something like that. But to really serve the Lord. I mean, just the examples are just endless. We'd, we've talked recently a lot in our church about not being unequally yoked. A lot of people compromise in that area. And marrying an unbeliever or marrying somebody who's not of a like faith, or marrying somebody who's not God's choice, and not an equal, and not a spiritual leader. A lot of women living without a spiritual leader today because they disobeyed God. A lot of men living with the consequences of their choices because they disobeyed God and married the wrong woman. That's just one example. But you give the devil a little bit of inroad, and watch what he can do in your life. He can wreak havoc. Next thing you know, you have children coming out of that thing. Women involved in premarital sex and have illegitimate children. That wreaks havoc on that child's life for the rest of their life. Parents go through divorce, destroys their children. 
I'm 42 years old and I'm still impacted by my parents' divorce. Still realizing I still have bitterness. I still have resentment that I need to give up. Men losing it on their children and just flying off the handle and children growing up in angry homes. Well, it, it, it just destroys that child. They struggle with that all the way up into their middle years of their lives, going up with an angry parent, an angry, abusive parent. What I'm saying, don't give the devil an inch on your life. Dabble around with watching television, like we said in Sunday school, and laughing at dirty things in the world, and and letting yourself be entertained by things that you know that God says you shouldn't even be looking at or listening to. And God says people that do those things are worthy of, of, uh, of death. That The people that uh, do those things, they won't inherit the kingdom of God. And we'll watch it on the television and laugh at it. And, and uh, the children sees us laughing at it. And one of these days the children will grow up and they'll take it serious. They'll go on and do it. Because to us it wasn't a big deal. And they'll go farther with it. You see? Let's go ahead and stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed in a word of prayer. This morning is a message about the peril of compromise. And the devil just wants you to compromise just in any little area. You might not think it's a big deal. And that's the way he wants it. Compromise in any little area. Just anywhere where he can get a foothold. And what happens is if we compromise in just letting a thought into our minds, letting a thought that's not pure and lovely and righteous, where did that come from? Didn't come from the Holy Spirit. Came from the world, came from the devil maybe. We allow that thought into our mind and we start to think about it. And we start to toy around with it. At that moment, it's sin. As soon as you start to consider it, to toy around with it, it's sin. What I'm saying is we've got to take this serious, the peril of compromise. There might be some area in your life where you have the known will of God on something. Something in your life, you know it's God's will. Hebrews 10.25 is a good one, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. You know it's God's will. It's God's will to read the Bible, search the scriptures. It's God's will for you to pray. Pray always. And you've, you've given up on being obedient to that. Just anything where the devil can get you to compromise. And then he'll work into that. And he'll do something with it. But you know what? Greater is he that is within you, brother and sister. The Lord Jesus Christ stands ready to give you victory. But what has to happen is a total repentance. Whatever that thing is, whatever the Lord's put his, his, his finger on, total repentance. Saying, admitting to the Lord and admitting to whoever else it's affected. It, this was wrong. I let it into my life and it's wrong. And God, it's wrong. It's sin and I'm sorry. Repent of it and then renounce it. And say, Lord, I'm going to confess it and I'm going to forsake it. Will you help me? Will you help me to do better? I'm going to forsake it and say, Lord, I've given the devil this place in my life. And you don't want me to live it like that. You want me to live in victory. You, don't, you want me to live in obedience and I can't obey you. And I've given this place to the devil. Lord, would you protect me? Would you fix this? Would you help me through this? 
Say, Lord, I'm going to commit myself to you and commit myself to obedience in this area. Listen, folks, if you're doing something wrong, stop it. Stop it. Don't do it. Say, Lord, I did it. I'm sorry. It's wrong. Help me not to do it anymore. And protect me. Protect my marriage. Protect my family. Protect my grandchildren. Protect our church. And if you confess it, folks, you get confession, you get cleansing. You can confess right to the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no mediator between God and men but the man Christ Jesus. And you can walk right into the throne room and get it settled today and get victory over it. The devil's telling you you can't. The devil's telling you you've gone too far. Maybe you've allowed it to be a habit. Maybe it's a stronghold in your life. You can be delivered from it. Greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. Even if it's become a stronghold, you can be delivered. And you just obey the Lord and leave the consequences to him. But our first response is no matter how you feel about it, the first response, no matter how you think others might feel about it, the first response is just to obey now and to stop it. Confess it, forsake it, renounce it, and then make restitution with others if you have to. Lord, we pray that you'd help us. We thank you for this message today. I thank you for these that are here. Lord, a deeply personal matter. Pray that you'd help all of us, Lord. Help me. Help the man standing behind this pulpit, Lord. We're all struggling with something. I pray that you'd help us, Lord. Make us stronger and better for all of it, that we might be able to glorify you and serve the Lord Jesus Christ in victory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As you're standing, would you take your songbook? The invitation is this. We're going to sing this hymn. 489, this is the invitation. If there's something in your life, if there's some kind of area of disobedience in your life, even if it's a little thing, go home and, and, and don't, don't mess around with it. Get it right with the Lord. 489, we'll sing in just a moment. Go home and get it right with the Lord. Now, if you've got a stronghold in your life, if you've got something that's turned into a thought, that turned into an action, that turned into a repeated action that now is a habit, if you've got a stronghold in your life, you can be free from that thing. But the first thing to do is to go home and tell the Lord, Lord, this was wrong. I renounce it. I've given the devil place in my life and I need you to take it back. And then you can talk with me more about that and we can pray more about that together. But the first thing to do is, folks, stop it. If you're doing something wrong, stop it. You don't have to do it. You don't have to do it. And, and you're, you're telling yourself and you're letting thoughts in your mind that says, I'm too weak, I can't, I just, I'll never be victorious. That's not true, that's a lie. The devil comes but to steal, to dis- kill and to destroy, and he's a deceiver. So I want to ask you today, you just have to recommit yourself every day. I have decided to follow Jesus. And since I got you here, folks, this is how we need to start the day. You make the decision first thing in the morning. I've decided to follow Jesus or else you don't. And if you don't, you're starting off on the wrong foot. In the morning, you got to say, Lord, today I'm going to walk in the spirit. Help me not to walk in the flesh. Help me not to fulfill the lust of the flesh today. Today, I, I commit myself to you. I take up my cross and I walk with you. Today, I die to myself and I live unto Jesus Christ. And if you don't start your day in the Word of God and in prayer, you're not serious about it. And you're allowing compromise. Let's sing 489. I have decided to follow Jesus.
Now, the wonderful thing about this, folks, is you have God's word on it, 1 John 1, 9. If you walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with the Father and with the Son. If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And then you go on. You go on with a smile on your face. You step out in faith with the Lord and say, here I come, Lord. I'm going to walk with you. Show me what you want me to do. Show me your will. Let's go ahead and pray.